The We're LCC podcast is a monthly show that comes out on the 9th of every month. But if you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app, you'll never need to remember that because the show will automatically be there. So go ahead and hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app now. We are LCC, a podcast emanating from the halls of Lower Canada College on Royal Avenue in Montreal. Here's alumni officer Christine Jones. Today, we have Nashville artist Manny Blue. Before Blue took to the stage, he spent his days in the gym, training for a career as an MMA fighter. When an injury left him unable to compete, Blue found a renewed appreciation for music. He was drawn to the guitar and had a connection with the relatable storytelling of modern country. Blue relocated to Nashville full-time and created a genre called country punk, and we're so happy to have him here today to talk with us about his music and life's journey. Thanks for being here, Manny. Thank you. So yeah, just to get going, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your journey from after graduating and your inspiration to get into music and your career path in general? Yeah. After I graduated LCC, I ended up going to John Abbott for two years. I played football and around that time, I think my grade 11 year at LCC, I got into MMA. It might've been grade 10. So it kind of followed me to, to John Abbott. Played football, you know, just for the camaraderie of new school. I had a couple of buddies who I'm still very close to today who were going to John Abbott as well. So that was cool. But my dad played football in CJP and said that, you know, just playing sports is a really cool way to meet people, you know, and just have a very unique and very fun CJP experience. And so I naturally, because I played soccer at at LCC, I thought I was going to go play soccer. And the football coach, Coach Pat, he was brought in the same year I went to John Abbott to kind of reinvent the program. And he's like, why don't you come play kicker for us if you're a soccer player? And I'm like, well, I don't even know if I really want to do it. I know football is a huge undertaking. I'm still in MMA. So I thought about it and my dad really, you know, suggested I play. And so I got into it and I had a lot of fun playing football at, at John Abbott, but I felt like after one year going into the next season, I was like just missing like a little bit of competition you know, just being on the field, you know, every, every so often. The community with the boys was cool, but I, I wanted to play. I wanted to, you know, to compete a little bit more. So I ended up going back to MMA and took my first amateur fight, which I then tore my quad. I won the fight. In the first fight? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I tore my quad. Didn't know till two weeks after, once everything started healing, I still had a remaining bump on my thigh. And I was like, uh-oh, this is not good. They told me to take some time off, so I did. And I always liked singing for fun. So I was like, what can I do that's, you know, skill? Like, you know, you can only play so much PlayStation when when you're, you know, recovering. So I said, there's something, like, I want to learn something. I want to do something. Yeah, I don't know what it was. And I seen John Mayer sit and play acoustic by himself. It was just him, the guitar, and a microphone. And I'm like, that would be a really cool, even just for a party trick, that might be really fun. So I learned how to play guitar and and started singing and started learning songs and people liked it. And a lot of my friends who are either from Montreal or Toronto had gone to, you know, prep school to play hockey or my brother went to St. FX for university. And a lot of them went to play hockey elsewhere in in different spaces. So when we would get together in the summer, everybody had country music for some reason. And I'm like, I don't know where all this came from because when you guys left, you weren't playing, you know, listening to country music, but all of a sudden everybody likes country music and that's all we're listening while we're like drinking on a patio or, or hanging out one weekend at someone's lake house or on a boat or something. So 
all the songs they wanted me to play were country songs. So I ended up becoming a country artist, I guess, on, on accident. But uh, it's it's been fun. And, and, you know, then I moved down here to Nashville. Well, I first visited to record and fell in love. And I came here twice and I met my now manager. I and mean, he was the guy that kind of was like, hey, it'd be really cool to work with you, but it'd be a lot easier if, you know, we work in the same room. And I'm like, well, I got a show next week, so I can't move next week. But the week after, I think I can move down. And he's like, no, no, no. This was like September or end of August, early September. And he was like, no, no. I mean, like, gather all your things at home. And then, you know, maybe early, uh, what would it be, 2019, come down. And I'm like, no, I'll be there in two weeks. I'll see you soon. He's like, all righty. I ended up hanging out with him a lot because I didn't know anybody. And he felt responsible for me in Nashville just running around. So I was like, what are we going to do? And so then he ended up helping me put my band together. And just we've been through a lot. And it's just been fun. I love Nashville. I bet. And so you mentioned earlier, you kind of credit your buddies a little bit for getting into the country music. But I did read somewhere that you grew up in a musical family as well. So did that also inspire you to kind of fall in love with performing and music? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think just being around it, my mom played classical piano growing up. So we always had a piano and I always heard her, you know, practice her scales and stuff around the house. And my dad, I I mean, I don't think there's ever been a microphone my dad hasn't liked. He loves to do public speaking. He loves to, he's an entertainer at heart, I think. And he used to, we used to sing together for fun. Uh, We always had a karaoke machine. So I was never, it never seemed like a weird thing for me to do. And I just said, if I learn how to play guitar, then I can do without the backing track. I could just play. So did you teach yourself the guitar while you were recovering from the injury or had you dabbled with it a little bit before? No, I knew some people that were musicians around Montreal and said, I want to learn how to play guitar. And they said, well, how much do you know? And I said, absolutely nothing. So I said, we're starting from scratch. I don't even have a guitar. So I just want to learn. And the guy that kind of like John Mayer was really cool to watch him. It was like a spotlight and he's playing acoustic on a stage and there was, I'm sure thousands of people. But what really got me was BB King and his guitar playing and his soloing and his singing and then call and response with his guitar. I was like, well, he's not even playing while he's singing. That's easy. So I went to my guitar teacher and the first guitar I bought was a very, it was a very similar guitar to BB King. And there's an electric guitar and he goes, well, you know, what, what's inspiring you? What do you want to learn? And I said, I want to do what BB King's doing. And he's like, well, easy there. He goes, we're going to start with chords first. I'm like, does BB King play chords? He's like, I'm sure he can, but he doesn't. And I'm like, cool. I don't need the chords. I just want to do what he's doing. And so then I knew like, there's a whole concept of music theory that I did not have that I needed to learn. And even to this day, like, I think my vocals just kind of took off more than my guitar playing, which is why I don't really play as much in shows when we roll now. I mean, I came to Nashville and there was like so many people that can play and sing and drummers that can play and sing. And I'm like, oh my God, I could barely play guitar and sing. I got guys playing drums or playing lead guitar and doing harmonies, which is not easy. So I'm like, yo, they're good down here. So I said, let me stick to what I know. And and I really enjoy performing and entertaining and singing. And so that's what we've been doing. And we've been having some fun. So great. And so I guess that's where your manager sort of stepped in. And as you said, helped you build the band and has guided you since. Yeah, he helped me put the first sort of addition, I guess, of the band. And through different things going on, we've had some rotation. But, you know, I think that the guys I have around me right now is a chord that I love. And it just works. It's three besides myself, three guys that are completely random together. And 
somehow just worked. So it, it's really fun. And, and honestly, they're incredible musicians and anything I, I need or need or ask them for, they're, they're always willing to help. So it's, it's really, really cool. So from what I'm understanding, the genre of your music is a punk inspired twist on traditional country. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you came into that? Why this type of music? What might have inspired you to go in that direction? Yeah, I've always been a little bit outside the box. And I think any one of my, my teachers might say it and not in a disrespectful way, but just I think I've always liked to do things, you know, sort of my way. And, you know, when I got down to Nashville, they said, well, you're from Montreal, you're not from a small town, you're trying to sing country music. So you got to be a little country, but you can't be too country because then it's not authentic, but then you can't do this and you have to do that and you can't do that. And it's like, I said, all these limitations, all these boundaries. And once I had a management changeover, I mean, Nathan, who's my current manager, was just a team member before. And when my manager had left, he said, I want to take this project on. I think there's a lot more we can unlock together. And I'm like, sure. We never had like a musical conversation of what exactly it was I wanted to do. So it, it kind of just came from inspirations and being down here, knowing the like Cadillac three and Eric Church and Brantley Gilbert, who all have like a different color, a different vibe to country with a little bit of edge, which I love. And it was really cool. And, you know, being a teenager in, in the 2000s when pop punk was huge, hearing MGK put out his album, Tickets to My Downfall. I was like, that's nostalgic because I don't really remember like who sang all those songs, but I remember it sounding like that. And so as we were getting ready for the new projects, it was kind of, where do we go next, right? We, we did the heavier country on, on the EP that we put out called New Ink, but it's like, there's got to be another level to what I'm capable of doing. And that inspiration with the Travis Barker kind of drum beat and all that kind of stuff was kind of really inspiring. And he told me, he said, hey man, you are not, like for the last three months, you've been talking about this record. He goes, why don't we do some country music that kind of has an ode to that, right? Like something that kind of brings that in a little bit. And I think country rock is alive and well, and it's its own thing, but I feel it's also very heavy and very slow. And there's no, there's no tempo. There's no, you know, let's party, let's have a good time kind of feel. So I said, I mean, and I'm definitely not the only one doing it, but the way I am, I kind of wanted to make a point and I came out and, you know, we've taken some heat for it. People have, and other people have loved it and it's been really cool, but ultimately it is country music with a little bit of swag and a little bit of attitude and a little bit of edge. I was going to ask you about whether there was like a niche market for it or a specific type of audience that you see as being different than other types of country music or... Is country music just country music, you know? I think it depends who you ask. I find it's a little bit niche, but it's also pretty open to just anybody. Like at the end of the day, I just want to put out good songs that I believe in and stories I want to, I want to tell. Country music has always been about storytelling. So I said, if I have a story, if the song tells a story and the song makes you feel something, then the instrumentation behind it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, it's not because of a fiddle or there's a steel guitar that makes it country. And I think what's really cool right now is that country's having this moment of, you know, there's so many varieties, there's so many paths you can go down and you can like multiple paths of different things. You can like, like I love the, the traditional stuff. It's not for me. I'm not going to do that. But I got a buddy who does it and he does it great. And his name is Blaine Holcomb. And he's been, he was my first friend when I moved down to Nashville and he's kind of more traditional and he loves the nineties country, but there's that there's a little bit more of the pop stuff there's a little bit and so ultimately like i'm not doing anything outside the box like crazy you know it's just it's just a little bit different now 
I'm well aware the purists of punk or country don't agree with me, and that's okay. I heard T Pain said it one time. He said he knows if you vibe with my music. I'm paraphrasing because I forgot the actual quote, but he said if you vibe with my music, come join the party. If you don't, it's not made for you, and that's kind of the point, right? And I at first, I you know, I didn't understand how nobody got it. It's like it's not punk, it's not punk rock, and it's not traditional country. I'm blending some things together, and some will have a little bit more of a country feel, and some will have a little bit more of a punk, and some will be you know a little bit in between. And that's just the way it is. I th- I think you know my vocals and me singing on the song make it you know Manny Blue track. So, and we've had some fun with playing with like some really stripped down stuff, where you know it's about the vocal and the purity of the words that are that we're talking about or singing about. And then sometimes it doesn't like it's not about the vocal; it's about the energy and the excitement of the song. So, honestly, and I haven't said that. I mean, I've been asked this question a lot, and I don't necessarily think it's a genre per se. I think it's a vibe and a feeling. I don't even know if I know what it is. It's just what I want to do. Right, and it doesn't necessarily, I guess, have to be so defined. No, and I mean honestly, if anybody wants a an actual feeling of country punk we have a project called the country punky p or country punky p and that's what it is and if it that ends there great the whole point was to not limit myself in certain things that i wanted to do and then we put out country punk thinking like hey no one said this before so i can do whatever i want nobody can tell me i'm wrong and then people are now telling me i'm wrong and it has to be a certain way and i'm like well who, I, you didn't invent that I put two words together that don't make sense for the reason that I don't have to stick in a box. And everyone's like, well, that's not really punk, though. It's like, well, it doesn't have to be. It's a beautiful love song with an acoustic guitar and and an awesome story. And it doesn't have to be punk. But, you know, it's just the idea of having an attitude and just just being yourself, authentically yourself, I think is the point, really. So, You mentioned a couple of times about the story and the words. And I think one of the most beautiful things, in in my personal opinion, about country music is the storytelling and the feeling of the ballads. And I guess so to go back to the actual words and telling of stories, are you involved in any of the songwriting for the music? I'm not. I tried. I enjoy the, the recording process. I enjoy the selection of songs and going through it but sitting down and battling with your co-writers on which you know this word fits better that word fits better i kind of want to bypass that and just go hey send me songs and then the ones like we, i mean and the thing is it has to be something that i'm going to say and my manager is writing a lot for me now so he's doing a lot of co-writes and he knows me really really well and we spend tons of time together and, and he he co-wrote a few songs on the country punk ep which it was super cool. And I got to co-produce that, which I was really excited about. It was our second project of the year because we couldn't tour because of COVID. And so publishers down here had sent me some songs and we worked with their producer and that was great. But it feels a lot more high level. It feels like there's a lot of, you got to do a lot with it. The high level songwriters, and I've done interviews where they go, oh my God, you got all these songwriters and it's and it's really cool. I, just, I didn't write with them, but but it's really cool to have these great songwriters have, you know, a pool of songs that I can I can go in and pick from. And we'll probably go through 50 to 60 songs for a five song project, which is a concept I didn't know even existed until I got down here. And that's really cool. And so we had all our marketing budget kind of set for that. And then I said, hey, let's do another record. And everyone's like, uh, I'm like, let's just try to figure it out. I know songwriters here in Nashville. 
that aren't signed to publishers. We know my manager used to be frontman for a hard screamo band and he used to write. I said, let's just, let's just do this one ourselves. You know, let's just try to figure it out ourselves and kind of make it fun. It doesn't have to be anything like the big project for the year. Cause we wanted to be putting out one project a year. And I said, the big one's already done. We're in the middle of releasing it. So there's nothing really for us to do. All of the hard work's been done. So let's make a new one. And let's just keep it ourselves. Let's just keep it internal. I'll co-produce it. We have our musical director who produced it. My manager, Nathan, wrote on it. We got other friends that wrote on it. We found some songs from other bands that they didn't know what to do with anymore. And I'm like, oh, let's, let's rework that. Let's make it cool. And that, that also made that whole project really fun. And I think it's super authentic to me. I think there's different sounds. You got both extremes of there's a song with swear words and it's loud and it's nonstop. And then we also had, we end it with a super more acoustic vocal and guitar type of song. And I think we were able to kind of be free and just have fun with this, that project. And that's why I ended up calling it country punk was just because that's how I feel. And, you know, we kind of did it like DIY kind of punk style too. So that made it cool. And I got to, you know, direct the music video we did for a song called prove me wrong. So it was a really fun experience. I kind of really took ownership of the creator role other than songwriting. So long story short, I don't really have a hand in the songwriting. But it also sounds like, you know, you went down there, you were thrown into this industry and you've been sort of learning as, as you're doing. So other than, let's say you mentioned, you know, for five or six songs, you might go through 50 or 60. Any other sort of big, like, oh, wow, I did not know that this was part of the music industry. I did not know that this is how things were done. Anything like that sort of stick out to you over the years? Yeah, there's this thing here. They call them session musicians. And that's a crazy concept. Those Besides the last project we did, we've always had session musicians play on the recordings because they're guys who've been musicians for a long time. This is not even a joke, and I didn't believe it when I first heard it. They listen to the song when they get to the studio once or twice. They kind of write out handwritten charts for their parts and their instruments. They go out and they play it one, maybe once or twice, and we got the track. And it's just mind-boggling, besides like layering other guitar parts, maybe some of the programming. But you got two guitar players there. You got a bass player, a drummer, and a keyboard player. And maybe the keyboard player might do one take on the piano, one take on the organ, because everything, everything's layered in the track. So, but it was just, it's crazy that you think of, hey, I got to get a perfect take. It's like, these guys just listened to the song and got a perfect take. It's absolutely mind boggling. And a lot of people who've been on the road, you know, and kind of are tired, either have a family or are tired of, you know, living out of a tour bus. That's kind of like the ultimate musician's dream. It's like you're in studio all day, you record, but you get to go home and sleep in your bed every night. It's really cool and it's really fascinating to witness and be part of it. Just jumping back, I know you said you moved down full time in 2019. So then, of course, 2020 hits. So, how dramatic was the COVID shift for you, for the music industry, for Nashville? And are things kind of making its way back now? I actually moved down the end of 2018. So, Going into 2019, we had a cross-Canadian tour already booked, which was absolutely wild and doesn't really happen, which is crazy. So we did that. We had the first time on a tour bus and all that. So we did that. We then toured Ontario and did like fairs and stuff following that. 2020, we set up. We're like, okay, we, you know, we know the strengths of the band. We know the weaknesses. We've been on the road for quite a bit this year. We have an idea. Let's get a showcase put together. So 
the idea was we spent two months working on a showcase. It was a 22-minute showcase that we were going to invite industry folks and everything. And it was planned, which is really funny. And I'll get back to how it all comes back around. But it was planned for March 3rd, 2020. And let me just clarify something. When you do a showcase, because I'm learning here, people will come watch and then they'll decide to pick you up for tour dates? Well, it could be like booking agents or at the time we had like lower level label folks or A&R. And really the idea is to get your name out and buzzing a little bit around town and just for people to start keeping an eye on you for a little bit. This was scheduled from March 3rd, 2020. And We had two months of getting 22 minutes down super tight. Tornado comes through Nashville on March 2nd and tears up all of East Nashville and people lose their homes. And so I get an 8.30 call the next morning from my manager saying, hey, it's like, it's bad. It's like bad. There's a whole neighborhoods that have been torn apart. We can't do a showcase today. And I said, that makes sense. I hope everybody's okay. We had everybody on our group chat. We were checking in to see everybody's responding. So that was devastating, but obviously not the worst thing that had happened. But that was two months that we worked on something right in the drain over one night. So that really, that really sucked. Two days later, then it was all planned to do the showcase. My manager stays in town. We go on the road and we have three weeks of touring booked. Two days later, we ended up leaving for tour. We did five shows in six days and we played global in Toronto. We were playing Toronto on my birthday, March 12th, 2020. We were playing in Toronto, a global morning show, played a song. And then at night we had a show downtown Toronto. And, you know, I'm getting texts, people going, Hey, we saw you on TV. That was really cool. Wow. Global. That was awesome. You guys sound great. Happy birthday. You know, I'm glad everything's going well. So we start sound check and I get a call from my manager and he said, Hey, you know, this whole COVID thing's becoming a real thing. We might have to cancel our the US portion of the of the tour. And we I had a hometown show booked by the presenting sponsors was Lasso, the country festival that's coming to Montreal finally, and Ivanko. And I and I'm like, as long as we make it till Sunday, I'll be okay. This was a Thursday. I said, as long as we make it till Sunday, then the rest of the tour, you know, can go kick rocks, but at least we got to the Montreal show. This is a Thursday. And so we're like, looks like we might be all right. I got a call after soundcheck saying, hey, everybody's canceling. So your tour is done. So have fun tonight. This is your last one for a little bit. So just have a, have a good time. And I said, all right. So we did. We had a really good time. I think it was a really fun show. And being in, in Toronto, everybody had to get back to Nashville. And I said, hey, I'll, you know, I'm 45 minute flight over to Montreal. Let me go hang out in Montreal for a bit. I have an apartment down with my brother. So at least I got to see some family. My parents live across the street. So it's like really, really, it all worked out. And we said, hey, let's let my, my manager's like, hey, are we going to rebook this showcase for April? What are we going to do? And that, obviously that didn't work. So I was in Montreal for about six months before I came back to Nashville in September. So I, w- I was in Montreal from March to September just doing live. We put a live stream thing together every Tuesday. It's called the Blue Crew Happy Hour, which I was able to meet a lot of artists that I either knew of and wanted to meet just because of the amount of respect I have for them, but it gave us the ability to, to do all that. So everything's rolling now where it, it's, it's the South. So everyone's excited and really kind of happy that, that everything's open again here. And we, you know, we, so to bring it all back is I just played on March 3rd, which I hadn't even realized two years later, I played in a bigger, better venue exit in, which is a super, super iconic venue in Nashville. And I can't like, I'm so happy I got to play it at least one time in my life. 
and it happened to be on March 3rd as well. And my manager, I show up to sound check and my manager says, Hey, it's March 3rd. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, we got a lot of industry people coming. I'm like, yeah. He's like, March 3rd, 2020. And I, and it all came together. And I said, Oh my God, this is incredible. And my parents were able to be there. My fiance's parents were able to to come down and be here. So it was really a, an awesome show. And it just, it was just funny how it all came back around like that two short years later after all of that. So shifting a bit, just in terms of the career, how do you navigate choosing a career path that some might call, you know, the road less traveled, like you pursued a dream, you're doing what you love, but so many people tend to fall into more traditional paths. Has that been a challenge for you at all? No, because I think I, I told my mom from a very young age that I was not working an office job. I wasn't working something that was going to, I guess, be a you know traditional nine to five of, of any sort. But it is a scary thing and it is crazy. But I mean, when you believe in it and you have, and honestly, everybody around me has been from my parents to my brother to my fiance, everybody's been extremely supportive. And, you know, you can't do it without the support. You can't do it without... And obviously, there's bumps and bruises along the way of, of your learning. Not everybody's honest. Not everybody's loyal. And those are hard lessons to learn, of course, because I feel myself very honest and very loyal, very transparent. And I share that with everybody. And I share my life. And I bring a lot... You know, I'm a teen guy. I grew up in sports. And people take advantage. And that sucks. And you have to just navigate through all of it. But, you know, I've been very lucky with, with the support that I've had to be able to really, they said, hey, go do your thing. Like, commit to it, put everything you've got into it, and we've got your back. So I've been super fortunate for that. Well, for sure. And, you know, whether it's students on the verge of graduation that might be listening or adults midway through their career, I know that I, I've listened to a couple of other interviews you've done where you talk about just being open-minded and having courage and the importance of taking risks. So. What kind of sort of nugget of advice could you give to people on that? Anything you decide to do is going to have its challenges. So to me, the important thing, and that's always what my parents have told me, is find something you're extremely passionate about. It doesn't matter. You don't understand the, the pros and cons that come with it. But if you're passionate and you're willing to work hard, you can overcome it. And you know you can have success in just being happy. As long as it's something you really want to do and something you're super passionate about, that success will come because there's so much love for the craft or whatever it is that you're, you're getting into. And honestly, I always struggle with school and I do have to thank Miss Shanker, who I met in when I was grade six at LCC, when I first came to LCC. And I got through school to graduate. But I think also what's really cool is there's so many activities at LCC that you can, you know, I used to go to school for soccer practice at night. I used to go, I used to come to school to get, you know, to be there, see my friends. And then I get to go play soccer or hockey afterwards or, or, or whatever it is. And I feel like there's always going to be adversity, but uh, you know, as long as you can, and you can bounce around and have fun doing it and, and find your passion in it. For me, it came, I always thought I would be in sports and funny enough as I never took music at LCC, but you know, you can you can do that as long as at some point, you know, you, you really dedicate your, your heart and soul to it. It really is the, the main point. Going back to Montreal, can you talk to us a little bit about your, your loves and memories of the city and what are one or two things that you might miss the most from being here? It's certainly not the minus 30 degree weather, I'm sure. No, I don't miss that. I certainly don't miss the snow. <laughs> 
I'll walk out here sometimes and I'm like, oh my God, it's cold, but it's just like a little windy. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's crazy. Like, I, I don't think there's one specific thing. I think it's just a collective vibe and having grown up there, that was kind of all I knew. And coming to Nashville, I, I kind of call Nashville a, a big town or a small city. It's got that kind of that kind of vibe, which is extremely different, but just, you know, and I, and I love it just, just the same, but, but being from Montreal, there's a multicultural vibe. There's a understanding of people that is a little bit different. And that, I think that's really cool. And I think a lot of places now here are, are kind of getting that, but a lot of the sort of global issues that people are talking about never to me wasn't a thing because I've got buddies from all different races and all different ethnicities and all ba- different backgrounds and histories and stuff. And it, and it never was a thing for me because Montreal is so diverse and open to to everybody coming in and, and kind of being who you are. And, and that to me, you know, when I started hearing certain things, it's like, well, that was never an issue to me. So I think that's really, really big. I also, more on the lighter side, I just find it hilarious because when I got to LCC, we were still playing outdoor hockey. It was still in that green tarp with those wood boards and that fence behind the, the net, one side of the net. And everyone couldn't wait till we got a rink. And then now LCC does have a rink and all the kids are enjoying the outdoor rink that they just put together, which looks absolutely insane. My cousin is playing there. Shout out to Brendan. So I just find it funny how it all comes back around, you know, where we couldn't wait to play inside. And now that there's an opportunity to put an outdoor rink, everybody's enjoying the outdoor rink is quite funny to watch, but it's cool. Yeah, which worked out well with COVID because the kids couldn't play inside. And so for your upcoming performances, I see that there's some in other parts of Canada. Are there any plans to come to Montreal to perform? Yes. We haven't announced it yet, but there will be in, I believe, around August. We should be in Montreal. So we'll be playing. It'll be really fun. I can't wait. We're going on tour across Canada with Dallas Smith. Arena tour, which is going to be the biggest tour I've been on so far. Biggest shows back to back that I would I, I have ever played. So that's super exciting with a lot of really cool musicians and artists as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Unfortunately, we don't we don't roll through Montreal, but I will be after that coming and playing at some point for sure. Is there anything else that you felt like you wanted to add? That's sort of all I have for my official questions, but if there is anything else you wanted to throw in there. Yeah, no, I, I just, this is really cool. And I'm very glad to have gotten the call. LCC obviously holds a special space in my heart. Podcasts, I love podcasts. I find them so fun to listen to. I find them so fun to do, to be on and just have a conversation and have some fun. So I think that you guys are putting a podcast together like this is really, really cool. And and I'm really, really appreciative that I got the call for it. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to We Are LCC. For more, go to wearelcc.ca slash podcast. And remember to hit subscribe or follow on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.